Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next Customer Success Conversations podcast. I am Adam Joseph, your host and founder of CSM Insight. Well, in today's pod, I'm thrilled to welcome Andy Mahood, who is the founder and CEO of a company called TaskFeed. I had the pleasure of meeting Andy at uh, last year's EMEA Pulse Conference, and it was clear that we shared a lot of the same thoughts around customer success and onboarding specifically. So I thought he'd be a great guest to bring on the pod and talk about some of the things that TaskFeed are doing and the importance of onboarding generally. But Andy, very warm welcome to you. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for letting me on. Andy, can you give us a, a brief intro into TaskFeed? Sure. So, so at TaskFeed, we're all about helping you manage implementation, sort of onboarding or implementation service projects. Uh, so as companies mature their onboarding process, particularly for their largest or their highest revenue customers, they're looking for ways to increase engagement and collaboration with the customer and to, prov- and to provide a way to, to stay on top of each customer in each stage of the process. So our customers tell us that by keeping the customer informed and engaged and through alignment with internal teams like sales and customer success, they can deliver value faster with an improved customer experience. Uh, This all works together to increase time to value. And as we know, customers that get up and running quickly are healthier and they they renew at higher rates. So so TaskFeed is all about managing high-touch customer onboarding TaskFeed lets you centralize this whole process within Salesforce and ditch all those Google Sheets or disconnected project management apps like Asana and Smartsheet and all the rest. And centralizing this repeatable process means that you can see the progress of all customers and your actions for each customer in a single place, which removes the fear of dropping the ball. Everyone knows where everything is. Uh, You know what's going on with each customer, and it means you're not always putting out fires. Got it. Okay. And so I'm sure as you were designing TaskFeed and and how the business has evolved since, you must have had lots of discussions with prospective customers and clients about the the whole onboarding process. What do you think are the most important aspect of a successful onboarding process? Is it about the really great engagement by pre-sales, how that uh, important conversations are then passed on to other teams, for example, customer success to launch. I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of the fundamental things that go behind a, a successful onboarding process. Yeah, sure. So, so customer onboarding covers all strategies to help your customer to start using, adopt, and then be successful with your product or service. So the strategy that you choose or go with ultimately comes down to your business and your customer segment. So so by these different strategies, I'm talking about things like tech touch onboarding through tooltips or guides. There's plenty of technology to help you there or or tools to help you drive kind of one-to-many email campaigns or cadences to your customers, all the way through to products like TaskFeed to help you manage high touch, high value on, onboarding for your sort of largest and most valuable customers. So the, the strategy that you choose ultimately comes down to your business. Not all enterprise, in quote marks, enterprise customers need or expect high touch onboarding, but I think you'll find that many will kind of expect it. On the flip side of this, an SMB may just want to get at it or a consumer even or a single user within a business may just want to get at it and start, start work. They don't expect you to guide them through a process of change management. So a tooltip or, or a guide here and there might be enough. It might even be too much for that type of person. Sure. Um, so in most cases, high touch and tech touch should be complementary, as even enterprise customer would benefit from a, a guided user onboarding journey. I just don't think you can onboard a, a company with an on-screen guide. So 
one of the things we, we do in we're, we're developing our conversations with customers around is how customer onboarding is a is an interesting part of the of the customer lifecycle. It's the, the point in the process where that customer is most susceptible to change. And I think that's really important. I always say, actually, that at launch, the well of goodwill is completely empty because, you know, obviously, as you become a mature customer and you build up goodwill and, and a trusted relationship, a small issue doesn't necessarily have to throw the train off the, off the track. But at the beginning, where a customer is trying to work out whether have I made a great investment decision or are these a bunch of cowboys, even the smallest issue can absolutely throw the whole thing into chaos right yeah that's you're you're sort of it's it's the first time you're really having a a real life relationship with the customer in terms of real like rubber hitting the road in terms of delivery yeah Um, you you sold them the dream during pre-sales and now you actually have to deliver exactly that's right so there's plenty of stories around sales building a story and and on on board customer success or an implementation team trying to deliver on that or trying to deliver on something that pre-sales has demoed but I think it's it's more about kind of understanding well what are the customer's objectives and having the confidence in yourself or the confidence in your product to make the recommendations to the customer about changes that need to be made because if your product makes assumptions around how a business works or if in designing or delivering your product or service to you know hundreds or thousands of customers maybe you've realized that when a customer or when a company is set up in a certain way or using your product in a certain way, then they're more likely to see success. Then it's valuable and the, the way you communicate with your customer is important and the way you get them, their buy-in to, to make change at that point is important because if, if you don't make a strong case for it at that point, then when you're having a QBR in you know month nine starting to talking about renewals and talking about why there's adoption issues and bringing up, you know, <laughs> structural changes in a process or in a team that, that might help adoption that should have been brought up during onboarding, then you're not likely to have much luck in making those changes. However, if you bring up those changes during that, that onboarding stage, when the customer is, that they're ready to make change, they're bringing on a product, assuming it's kind of a significant enough product to, you know, alter how, how teams work together then they're ready to, and they're willing, and their ears are usually quite open to understand, well, what's the best way that we can use this product and be most effective with it? So when, when do you think onboarding actually begins? Do you, do you think it's actually at the time when a customer signs a contract, or do you think it actually begins before that, so when sales are, are beginning to have those conversations and figure out what it is that the customer's actually looking for? It's, it's kind of comes down to a question of the organization of the company and the structure of the process. So it doesn't necessarily need to mean that the, the services team or the onboarding of the implementation team, whatever you're calling it, is directly engaged through that sales cycle. But what is important is to understand the, the framework or the, the scope of what, is, what can be delivered successfully for a customer. So make sure that everyone is aligned in terms of the how the product is designed to be used or the the most effective ways the customer will should work or or even just understanding well what is the structure of the customer that we're selling into and making sure that that's communicated all the way through if you can engage the the, the team that looks after onboarding or implementation is, is called many things but if you can engage that team during the sales cycle or at least validate some plans against them that can be helpful sometimes that that is kind of called like a pre-sales engineering role Sometimes that pre-sales engineering role might loop back into a professional services team. Mm-hmm. If that's not the case, then it, it really just 
needs to be around everyone having a, I guess it's like a, a top-down understanding of, of, of how the product is best used and making sure that we're, we are coming back to those sales fundamentals of knowing who our, who our customer is and who our ideal customer is and is the, people, is the person we're talking to fitting that profile. And if they're not fitting that profile, doesn't necessarily mean we shouldn't be selling to them, but we should be very careful about if we're saying that our product can be used in a way that sort of 80% of our customers are not using it. If we're, if we're kind of creating edge cases in the sales process, then that can have a knock-on effect sort of down the line. Mm. Um, it means that there could be a use. You might be able to use our product in such a way, but it's, it's not, maybe it's not the best product for that problem anymore. You talked about earlier the importance of understanding what the customer's overall objectives are. I always think, actually, when we're looking at customer objectives, it's obviously important to think about that in the long term. So what are your overall objectives? You know, how are you going to judge whether you're successful or not in, in using this solution or product? But also, I think it's, it's vital to have and collect the customer's objectives for that implementation period. Because in many cases, organizations think of onboarding or implementation in internal terms. So when we've delivered a training, when we've given out all the IDs and passwords, we can tick the box and say the customer is onboarded. But actually, my view is that onboarding should only end when the customer has realized early value. So I think it's vital that during that early stages, we collect those at two different points, both short term for the onboarding process, and then long term for maybe overall for that, that first renewal period. Is that something you agree with as well? Yeah, 100%. I think I kind of extend that to say that it's not about kind of defining the outcomes. It's about mutually agreeing them to making sure that it's, it's very clear that on a kickoff call or at some stage early on in that process, it's understood what is the objective of this engagement, of, the, of this kind of onboarding services engagement. We're going to stick around until. We're going to be here with you until. We are going to do this. We're not going to do that. You, you just need to have some scope area, but you also need to say, what are we here to support you? And what are you here to do? Defining those roles and responsibilities. But we see a large variation in the definition of what is launched or what is onboarded. Anything from license utilization through to usage metrics or some of the things that you mentioned. Um, we ultimately kind of recommend identifying an action. For us, it might be you know, our, our product helps customers manage a customer onboarding process. Right. So for us, an action might be our customers first kickoff call where the task fee plan is shared and discussed live on the call. That could be an early sign of success. So once we've had feedback from that, we might know if the plan that was presented that they defined within the product, if that works, if the customer understood it, they're, you know, if, if they're able to map everything through. So this shows initial success, but it's not until our customers first or, or first sort of cohort of customers go through the full onboarding process through task feed, we don't really consider them onboarded. So we then have a, a 30, 60, or 90-day success review scheduled. And it's 30, 60, or 90 days depending on their onboarding cycle. So some customers might have it like a 30-day onboarding cycle. Some might be a 90-day onboarding cycle. And this first success review is really a calibration of that post-onboarding to verify that everything is, is working as we expected. So mm-hmm. if you think, like, once you sort of through onboarding and a, implementation onboarding and this kind of adoption phase, you're kind of taking the training wheels off and letting the customer kind of ride for themselves, you know, as they've hit that first, that action, you're kind of taking your hands away and letting them ride by themselves. It's then kind of coming back and saying, you know, are we still being successful? Is everything still working for you in the same way it was when we were engaged more frequently, perhaps? So we mm. might still be engaged in between that time, but kind of a, a, like a line in the sound where we can say, well, have any issues come up? What does adoption look like? 
have any issues come up or have any edge cases come up in the intervening period. But I, I think it definitely comes down to sort of an action milestone rather than like a license utilization or a we've done the training, got it. We've given you the license. Yeah. We've integrated the tools, we've deployed the customizations, off you go. That, that's that's very much like a a functional deployment, which mm. is essentially a phase of the customer onboarding process. Beyond that is when you're driving adoption and making sure that they're actually using the product in a, in a way that is adding value to them. And do you think there are any special considerations whether potentially, for example, a customer of TaskFeed might have a, an on-premise versus a cloud-based solutions? Or do you think the same premise generally applies? The, the difference in our world is that their process might be slightly different. Like I mentioned, the, the, the cycle time of their onboarding process might be slightly different. Mm. But outside of that, um, generally, the way we engage with them is the same. Um, in terms of a, how a customer should be modeling their own onboarding process if it's based on different revenue models or technologies that they're deploying it shouldn't really matter too much Mm -hmm. Um, the one thing i would highlight is that the reason why we focus a lot on or why why we highlight that customer onboarding is a great place to invest and optimize is because we know that something that you making a correction or improvement with onboarding has a dramatic effect on things like renewal or lifetime value of those customers. And this works really well. And this, the, the maths of this, like the financial model of this work really well for recurring revenue businesses or transactional revenue businesses where increasing times of value directly impacts revenue, where improving adoption success early on dramatically increases renewal rates, which dramatically increases revenue. So all of these things financially stand up for recurring revenue models. If you're selling perpetual licenses, it's kind of a a, a tough sell internally to say, well, we've signed the contract, we've issued the invoice, and now we're going to be delivering these services. So now it comes into an understanding of, well, how how are those services costed and paid for? You know, so we, we see a lot of SaaS businesses essentially rolling in the quote-unquote cost of the onboarding into the, a package license amount because they know that the, the value comes from increased adoption and success and therefore renewal rates. In other businesses, that services line item needs to be more clear as a, as a cost line item because you're not seeing those downstream revenue impacts of a successful customer because they've, they've bought the licenses outright. I guess you might see upsells and things like that, but it's not yeah. quite the same in terms of, uh, I think that subscription um, design really changes changes the face of it and really ups the game and ups the stakes in terms of customer onboarding. And out of interest, I mean, how do you see the role of product with onboarding? So clearly there's, there's a lot of stakeholders within the business trying to ensure that the customers are meeting the objectives that they've stated. I know you, going back to a point you made earlier, you can't just launch through product tip and hint guides alone, but do, do you think product does play an important part in the, in the role of onboarding as well? Uh, yeah, well, I, I do. Um, it's something that we're actually investing in this year in our own product. I think quite often two concepts get conflated together. Quite often customer onboarding is conflated with user onboarding. And I think the place for tooltips and guides is really user onboarding. That's where you're focusing on an, on an end user. Whereas customer onboarding, you might be delivering training to end users, but a lot of your engagement is with stakeholders or super users or you know, it's, it's with a smaller pool of people who are defining a process and understanding how a product will deliver value to a business. So I, I think that there are these two different concepts um, that often get conflated together because yeah. you know, they, they do kind of run in parallel at some points. But 
from my point of view, customer onboarding happens when at the beginning of a customer's relationship with you, that there may be instances where they bring on new modules or products or services that need to be onboarded individually. But typically, the model is you buy something, there's, there's an onboarding phase, then the customer is, is then using the product and adopting the product and growing. But however, through that ongoing use, users come and go, right? And th- those users that come and go weren't there on day one when you deployed the original service. So they might not have attended whatever training you put on for them. So it's a change management 101 is that, you know, you need to make sure that those people new to the process are trained in the same way as the original set of users. So that's where user onboarding tools can be incredibly valuable. But I don't think they, I don't think they're the same thing as what we're considering as customer onboarding, um, configuration, change management, consultation, and other services to the customer. Yeah, I think you're completely right to make that point and the, and the distinction between customer onboarding and user onboarding. And, and you are also correct to say they are often brought together as one, but it's an important distinction to make. And I also know the task feed have also created the customer onboarding handbook, which I know many of the topics that we've actually discussed today are, are in there. How do people get hold of that if they're interested in, in learning more about it? Last year, we put together the customer onboarding handbook, which is really a, a series of learnings that we had internally around how we improved our own customer onboarding process. There's also just through having hundreds of conversations with people within companies who are managing onboarding implementation or service projects within their businesses, within different industries, most of them all SaaS or definitely technology-based. It's us taking that learning and kind of capturing it for, for ourselves and, and to share with others. And that's available from our website at taskfeedapp.com. You're able to follow a link right at the bottom of the page to the customer onboarding handbook, and you're able to download it from there. So the full name is the B2B SaaS customer onboarding handbook. Fantastic. Well, look, I think that's a a great way of of ending the pod. I think it's been a really insightful discussion, really, to go through in depth that whole onboarding process. And I would certainly recommend the onboarding handbook to anyone that's found today's discussion useful, certainly as a a nice reference to, to go over some of the main points that we discussed as well. So just before we close out this pod, I just wanted to quickly talk about the customer onboarding survey from TaskFeed as well. So this is into its second year, and it's the largest research into how companies operate their onboarding and implementation teams, covering how the teams are structured, how they collaborate, the technology being used, and the results that different companies experience. Um, You can take part in the survey, and by doing so, you'll be playing your part in building the most comprehensive picture of customer onboarding today. As a participant, you'll be the first to receive the report. It takes approximately five minutes and you can fit it out by going to taskfeedapp.com. That's taskfeedapp.com and then selecting the blue take part button. Andy, thank you so much for your time. It's been a, a really great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for inviting me on, Adam. It was really fun.